So we're excited that you're here online. We're excited that you're here. Otis, we are so excited you're here. A couple announcements before we just jump in. Once again, we have a DNA. This is our welcome to the family kind of class. Get to know us, you know, get to know other people uh, as you just decide, is this going to be your home church? And so I want to encourage you to, to jump in. And again, if you're online, we have a Zoom option. And so just go on our website. We have a Zoom option. Just show up, you know, for, for that, you know, option. Again, it's uh, today, 1.30 to 4.30, you know, as you want to participate. Generosity team is the other announcement that I want to give to you guys, you know, and uh, that is for those who've got the gift of generosity. And it doesn't matter whether you make uh, $10,000 a year or $10 million a year. Do you have a heart to continue to give to the things of God through Valley Real Life? We want to open you up to opportunities that God may be providing, you know, through our church, just like you've seen over the course of this last year. And so I want to invite you, if that's you, you are welcome to attend. And so that is, again, on the February 28th. It's 1230. It's going to be one hour. I want to cast some vision for what kind of God is doing here. Now, I sure do hope that uh, this series uh, so far has already been challenging, uh, encouraging, and inspiring as we want to be a church made up of individuals who go beyond the normal prayers of comfort, of safety, of blessing, but that there are more dangerous prayers out there. There are, there are prayers that are going to make you uh, uh, have your life be changed, or it's going to change the lives of some other people as well. So, so far, we've looked at dangerous prayer number one, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Uh, dangerous prayer number two, last week, forgive us as we forgive those who sin against us. And so as we start into today, uh, I think you realize, as much as I do, that control, control seems to be a primary goal in our lives. Whether it's the remote control, whether we have to be the one who's driving, or that we get to decide where we're going to eat, when we're going to eat, uh, uh, who's going to come with us as we eat. Now, I've told you before that I have anxiety on airplanes, but it's not because I'm afraid of dying. It's because I can't control the way sometimes my body reacts in that environment. Uh, at the same time, I don't have control of the wheel. I don't get to decide how this thing is going to go down, you know, or to stop the turbulence or whatever it may be that's happening. So I don't have control. Now, all of us, if we're just going to be honest for a second, we all love to have control in our lives and we want to have more and more and more of it. And the less we have control, the more anxiety, the more fear, the frustration begins to boil over. In fact, if 2020 has pointed us to anything, it's that when we don't feel in control, we don't usually have the most positive responses. Whether it be racial or social injustice, whether it be COVID, whether it be the economy, whether it be the election, if we're not in control, if things aren't going our way, we usually respond accordingly. Now, speaking of control, do you ever notice how obvious it is for you what other people should do in their lives? Right? Amen. Preach it. I mean, it's just so obvious when you see someone who's in a bad relationship and you're just looking at them like, what the heck is wrong with you? It is so obvious that he is terrible or that she is so manipulative. What is wrong with you? Or when you watch somebody make a financial purchase that is completely unwise. 
you know, where they get you know, a vehicle you know, for lease for like 10 years, you know, and then at the end you're going to owe 10 times more than what you purchased it for, but they're so excited to tell you about it, and you look at them like, what's wrong with you? It's so obvious of what you should do in this situation. I mean, it even boils down to, have you ever watched a, a kid play basketball? Ever watched you know, somebody play sports? And you're thinking to yourself, what is wrong with that referee? Can't they obviously see the foul that just took place there? Are they blind or a coach that you're looking at going, that coach is such a moron. I mean, there is only a minute left in the Super Bowl and you're on the two yard line. You hand the ball off the Marshawn Lynch. (laughs) Too soon. Still too soon. You know, these are, these are so, so many obvious things that from our lens, it is so easy to see what other people should do. Why is it hard for us? Why is it hard for us to see what seems to be so obvious to so many other people? So here's where I want to start. Can we start by admitting that you and I need someone outside of ourselves to help us to make decisions for our lives that will impact not only our lives, but the lives of those around us? Can we at least have that level of humility to recognize that maybe, even though I desire control, that I might not be the best decision maker in my life all the time, and that someone outside my life could really help me in making great decisions which leads us to dangerous prayer number three. Not my will, but yours be done. Not my will, but yours be done. So let's kind of break that apart just a a little bit. Not my will. Uh, What is my will for my life? If you were to answer that question, what is your will for your life? If you were to answer that, what does that look like? Uh, I'm going to guess that I have a few of the answers here that one of your wills for your life was to grow up at some point and be healthy and safe, to go to school, to achieve in something, that your will for your life was maybe to head to college or a trade school of some kind, to get a good job and then a better and maybe even more fulfilling one. Maybe part of your will for your life is to be financially secure or even rich. Maybe your will for your life is to get married, to have kids, or to have lots of friends, to live in a house, to have great memories with family and friends, and to watch your kids grow up in safety and security as well. Maybe your will for your life is also to one day maybe become a grandparent or to be able to retire still with good health. Maybe your will for your life is to leave a financial legacy for those that you're going to leave behind and maybe ultimately the will for your life is that you would actually die not in pain, but to die in peace. Now, is any of that bad? Did any of those hit the mark? See, no, this is not bad. And it probably hit the mark in one way, shape or form as you answer that question, what is your will for your life? But where did you learn these things? Where did you learn that this was your will for your life? That this was the goal, this was the hope that you had for your life. Did it come from your parents? Did it come from your family? How about our culture? Ever heard of something called the American dream? Life, liberty, and the pursuit 
of happiness? How many of us have so bought into the American dream that we actually confuse it and think that that's God's dream for our lives? And when it doesn't go according to the American dream or to my will, then we actually get very frustrated at life and maybe even at God. Here's the question that I want you to ponder for the few minutes that we have left. What if God's will for my life is far greater and far more impactful than any life I could come up with myself? That's the real test is the answer to that question. What if God's will for your life is far greater, far more impactful than anything that you could come up with concerning your will for your life? And then secondly, would you follow it? See, that's what the prayer actually means. Not my will, but God, I'm going to trust that your will is better for me, it's better for you, and it's better for other people. That's what you're actually saying if you begin to pray this dangerous prayer. But it's not easy because you go from saying, not my will, to the second part, which is your will be done. In other words, Jesus, take the wheel. Take control. See, now you and I understand at some level that even though we might desire it, the world doesn't revolve around us. You've said it to kids, and it's true for your life as much as it is for mine. But when you're a child, you understand at some level that you have to trust or entrust your life into the life of somebody else. Even at a very early age, you cannot bathe yourself, you cannot feed yourself, and darn it, you cannot change yourself if it wasn't for someone else in your life. You come into this world dependent on someone else, but somewhere along the age of maybe two or three years of age, you think you got it all figured out because you learn the word no and mine and I want and me. And that's the predominant way that we begin to process and think the rest of our lives. Oh, I've got some stories of when my kids, when they on special occasions like Mother's Day or my wife's birthday, happened a couple different times where we were in places like Walmart, and my kid, my son, my beloved son, decides it's going to be about him instead of about my wife. So what does he decide to do? Throw himself on the ground, begin to scream as loud as he can, and wail his fists and his legs all over the place. Now what makes it more embarrassing is that he's 16 years of age when he does this. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> that would be funny, though. He's, he was two or three years old at the time. He didn't do it just once. He did it twice in a 12-month calendar year. See, when we're young, we understand at some level the world does it, but we fight against, I'm going to entrust my life to my parents, and I think I know best. The second time you kind of feel that is your teenage years, right? Mom and dad are not very smart especially when you're about 15, 16, 17, definitely 18. I, I got this figured out. All of a sudden, you go away. Four or five years later, you're like, my parents got bright when I was away at school. It's amazing how intelligent that they got. You understand if you get married, at some level, this world is not about you anymore. Instead of saying it's all about me, you're actually saying it's now all going to be about we. It's about our life together. That's a transition time. But when you have a job, you understand this at some level. 
And when you get a job, you, you've been hired based on a certain amount of expectations. Right? Those expectations is in a job description, and you can decide my will, my way, and you can go rogue. You can do whatever the heck you want, whenever you want to want to show up to work. You can do that, but you're gonna get fired. Or you can say, you know what, it's not gonna be my will and my way all the time. I am going to acquiesce to my job description, to the expectations that have been given to me by my boss in order for me and for the company to be successful. So we understand aspects of this in our own lives. See, Jesus models this for us. In fact, he, he spends time with his father in heaven often, and his disciples begin to, to notice something. You know what? When Jesus prays, things happen. When Jesus prays, something different is going on in his life and around him. In fact, then after a few chapters, a few amounts of months and years that go by in the relationship with Jesus, they come to Jesus one day and say, Jesus, teach us to pray. Now, it's not like they've never been taught how to pray before. Like they've never uttered words of prayer. But they're like, the way Jesus prays, there's something different because we're taught to pray over our meals and before bed and for safety for our kids. And Jesus, your prayers sound different. They sound a little bit more dangerous. And so Jesus says, okay, I'll teach you. So here's what I want to teach you. When you pray, pray this prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. See, that's a different kind of prayer. That's a prayer the disciples had not heard before, that it was not going to be about them. It was going to be about God and his will on earth as it is in heaven. So it's not about what I want and my will be done. Jesus tells us and he shows us that he is the model in this. In fact, John 6, 38 says, Jesus says, for I have come down from heaven to do the will of God who sent me not to do my own will. He doesn't say, just do what I tell you. He says, watch my life. Because my life is going to reflect a life that says, not my will, but yours be done. In fact, there's no greater example than Jesus. He's about ready to go to the cross, right? He knows pain is coming and he asks his disciples to pray for him just a little while. Don't fall asleep, please. And he goes off and he prays to his father and he prays this prayer. Father, if there's any other way, take this cup of suffering from me. If there's any other way, I don't want to go through this pain. But then he says this prayer but not my will, but yours be done. See, what's powerful about this is that Jesus entrusted his own life to God. Even though he knew that it would end his life in death, because he knew that God would use his life to help billions of people throughout history. See, our greatest life will be one that has lived not just for you, for me, but for the benefit of God and for the legacy of other people, that kind of legacy, that kind of impact, think about the impact that you could have, the ripple effect that could take place with a life lived praying that prayer. Let me be clear though. This is a choice. Nobody's ever going to force you to pray this prayer. This is not, you know, a prayer that is easily reminded in our lives. We'd rather pray some simpler prayers and some blessing prayers, but this is maybe one of the most impactful prayers that you and I could pray. And his invitation is very clear. If you're going to be a follower of him, this is what he says in Luke 9:23. Then Jesus said to the crowd, "If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross 
daily. In other words, say to yourself, I will die to myself daily for your benefit and for your glory and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you're going to lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world, but are you or yourself are lost and you're destroyed? See, nobody's going to make you be a follower of Jesus. But if Jesus comes and you answer the call to following him, you're agreeing that he's going to be your boss for the rest of your life. That he has a job description for you and an expectation that is going to be beneficial to you, to him, and for his kingdom. He's now boss. And so the question that I get often is, well, well what is God's will then? If I'm going to venture down this row, what does it mean to pray, not my will, but yours be done? See, if you get nothing else, understand this. God's will is for your, for your life is to find and follow Jesus. To find and follow Jesus. If you're not going to accept Christ, that is his will for your life. For the rest of it is to follow him the rest of your life. Now, I understand that's not usually what you're asking when you're asking what is God's will for your life. What you're usually asking is, I think this boy is cute and I want to date him. Is it God's will? I think that there's a job opportunity that I should take. Is it God's will? I think that there's, a, there's something that's coming up in my life, and I'm not sure if I should have this surgery or not have this surgery. What is God's will? And each one of those cases is different from the other. But let me start holistically. In Mark 12, verse 30, here's God's will in summation. And you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is equally important, to love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. In fact, later on, Jesus says, if you love me, you're going to obey what I command. So God's rule is if you have a relationship with him, he's going to explain to you through his body, through his people, as you pray the other prayer, speak, Lord, your servant is listening so that you can know more, more confidently that God has a purpose and he has a plan for your life. Now, here's one, some of the weird stuff. Sometimes he says, you choose. It doesn't matter. Because sometimes you're like, I don't know if I should take this job or should I take this job? Why are you taking it? Are you going to glorify God in this job? Yep. Are you going to glorify God in this job? Yep. Is it going to be detrimental to your family by taking this one? Nope. Detrimental to your family? Nope. God's like, choose. Have fun. See, we get so caught up sometimes in the particulars that we forget the whole why behind the what, and so we find ourselves paralyzed in indecision when God is like, it's okay. You're my kid. Based on relationship with me and that you're seeking me and praying that prayer on a regular basis, I will reveal, and sometimes there's both good decisions to be able to make in our lives. In fact, if you want to you know, really dive in, read the rest of the New Testament. The Apostle Paul writes most of the New Testament to specific questions that churches were writing based on issues that they were facing within their church. So he gave them specific responses, but all of it fell under the category of this is how you can love God more, and this is how you're going to love other people more. You're going to see almost everything that's written in the Bible falls underneath one of those two commands. See, in Romans 12, too, it says it this way. Don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. 
Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. One of the things I've told you before, and maybe you've forgotten, if you have no understanding what you should do, here's a clue. Whatever the culture tells you to do, do the opposite. And you're going to be more in line with God's will than ever before. How do I know? Because it says, don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world. So if America says, go this direction, go this direction. And God's going to be like, good choice. You got it. You live in the life that I've called you to live. Follow me. It starts in here. It's, it's a mindset shift. That's what happens when I say, no, it's my life. No, no. It's now God's life. That's my money. No, 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 it's God's money. No, these are my kids. No, no, they're God's kids. It's my job. No, it's God's opportunity he's laid out before you. See, it's a mindset, and you begin to shift that mindset, and you begin to be in the center of God's will. See, following God's will is knowing him, being in relationship with him, knowing his word and being in relationship with other people who are also following him that can help you make the decisions in life. Because like we said at the beginning, left to yourself, you're not a great decision maker and neither am I. We need other people. Why? Because look around. There's a lot of dumb people in this world. And you're looking at them like I'm like, how in the world can you drive like that? And how in the world can you live like that? And how in the world and what's wrong with all these people? Then you're like, oh, maybe I'm one of those people. Maybe I also need help and a perspective beyond what I think is right. See, in Psalms 52 verse 7, it says, I cry out to God most high, to God who will fulfill his purpose for me. Not my will. Let me give you a couple examples of my own life. Believe it or not, it's not everybody's will to move to North Idaho. I know, Northern Idaho, just like destination point. When people dream, where do I want to grow up? Northern Idaho, boom, of course. No, nobody wants to grow up in Northern Idaho unless you're from Northern Idaho. Then you're just, just weird because you haven't experienced anything else. You know, so, but we end up in North Idaho. Why? Because we're saying, not my will, but yours be done. So following God's lead, you know, and you think that's weird for me? Try marrying a Colombian woman who's never lived further south and toward the equator than Sacramento, California. And you will understand what it means to follow God's will and not our own. Or, or how about this? I've had some fun conversations with some of you, and I think I was mentioning um, to Steve and some other pastors the other day. Um, I was three years away from my will of being an empty nester. Three years away from freedom. I mean, kids think, man, I can't wait to get away from mom and dad. I'm like, I can't wait for kids to go away sometimes. And so I'm like, this is going to be awesome. I'm, I'm looking at like Kenny and Eric, and I'm like, that's the life. You know, kids are gone. This is going to be party time. And then God decides to put on my wife's heart. It's her fault. <laughs> Remember back to Adam and Eve. It's, it's the woman's fault. That maybe we should consider adopting. Why would we do such a terrible thing? Why would we even consider such a thought? Because you start praying a dangerous prayer and you start saying, not my will, but yours be done. So now my three-year plan has now moved to eight-year plan. And even in that, it's not easy. It wasn't easy for us to follow the will of God. It is easier for us to follow our own will, but it's best to follow God's will. 
And each day, can we understand what James is trying to say in James chapter 4, verse 13? Look here. You who say today or tomorrow we're going to a certain town and we'll stay there a year. We will do business there and we will make a profit. How do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Your life is like the morning fog. It's here a little while and then it's gone. What you ought to say is if the Lord wants us to, we will live and do this or we will do that. But it starts with the premise of not my will, but yours be done. If you're in high school, it may not be God's will to do your parents' plan for your life. And I know I'm going to get some emails from this. What is God's will as he's leading your life? What is God's will for you as parents? What is God's will when it comes to that job? What is God's will when it comes to money? What is God's will when it comes to opportunities that he lays before us? It's a different lens when you're in relationship with Jesus Christ because all of a sudden you back up and you say, wait a minute, do I trust that God's will is better than mine? That's what it comes down to. Do I trust? And let me be honest, oftentimes, I don't. How many times do I just look at my own life and my own perspective, my own experience, and I choose my own path? I can list you some some ways in which I have followed God's path, and hopefully there's been more ways than not, but I don't think I'm alone in this. How often do you pray, God, not my will, but yours be done? So as we wrap up, what specific situation are you in right now that you're trying to figure out God's will. I'm going to challenge you every day this week. Can you wake up and simply pray this simple prayer, this dangerous seven-word prayer, not my will, but yours be done. And then begin to live as if that is true, that God's path and plan for your life, not easiest, is going to be far more meaningful, far more purposeful, far more fulfilling, and far more to be able to make an impact for others than you could ever come up with on your own. That's how much he loves us. But just like when we were two or three, do we trust our father in heaven? Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for this opportunity, this challenge. And so right now, Father, I pray that you would hear the prayers of people in this room and online and Otis as we pray this prayer in our own hearts and minds, not my will, but yours be done. Father, you know that there might be people who are watching online right now. And if that's you and you've never accepted Jesus Christ, his number one will for your life is to be in relationship with him. Pray that you'll make that known in the chat. Pray that you'd let somebody else know that. If you're here or you're at Otis, I pray that you would just let somebody else know about that decision. And if you're here right now, if you're watching online, may you just pray that prayer specifically. God, you know I'm struggling with what? I trust you. Not my will, but yours be done. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.